Welcome to the More Than Fitness Podcast. I think I want to start it off um, just by first saying thanks like for, for all that you do. And uh, look, I'm, I'm going I'm to be nervous just talking about it. But I, I really do. I look up to you in, in many ways. Uh, and, and honestly, like this podcast is going to be very uh, kind of like selfish just, just for me. Most of the podcasts are selfish, but it's just like I'm going to ask you tons of questions that just I'm interested in personally. Um, but I think, I think you know, you're, you're, you're a pro here and I think we can uh, uh, add some value for the audience as well. So, yeah, first off, thank you for coming on my show, man. Oh, pleasure, man. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Of course. Okay. So this is the question that I usually like to ask right from the get-go. And I think it's very interesting given your career, whenever you first introduce yourself to just like random people or whoever, what do you tell them you do? <laughs> what a great question. Okay. And way, way to make me feel awkward as fuck right off the gate. <laughs> Perfect. I, to this, hey, to this day, we we're just, uh, where were we just at? We were just somewhere. It was my best friends and their wives and, and Katrina and I and our son. And we were, I was getting introduced to somebody and of course the natural progression of, Oh, what do you do? You know, and everyone goes around. I do not, I, I don't, I can't remember the last time I said the same thing because I haven't honed in how I explain what I, what I do or <laughs> who I am really. I don't even know, bro. I do really you say, do you say podcaster? You know, uh, so I do more now than I, so I, okay. So when I first got into podcasting, uh, that would go south really quick because back then, seven years ago, nobody even knew what podcasting was like a very small percentage of population, including myself. Like when we even got into podcasting, uh, I thought that you needed uh, millions of dollars and a network and, and sponsors and stuff like that to even get started and tons of expensive equipment. And I, so I was so off. So of course, everybody else who's not in it is probably the same way as me. So yeah, I stopped saying podcast really quick because then people were like, oh, cool. What do you do for actually money? Like how yeah. do you actually make a it's living? It's like writer, right? So, right? It's like, a, it's like you're, I'm a writer, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. Like, okay. Okay, got and it. When you tell, right. so, and what I used to struggle with this, right? So right after I would tell them that, I also, I, this was my own insecurities and stuff that I've been working on for many years as a kid who came from nothing is I it, it immediately would have to like share my success or my bankroll to like, let them know that like, oh, I'm not jobless. And actually I'm really good at what I do and make good money, right? Yeah, it's like, yeah. because I would say that and like to your point they oh oh you're a writer okay so you're unemployed i get it you know, so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, i get yeah. it <laughs> yeah so yeah you know um a podcaster uh ceo uh fitness trainer wannabe guru guy like you know uh jack of many trades yeah you know we we we're in so much stuff and um i love everything that we're doing too that I, I wear so many hats as, as most of us do. Right. So the four co-founders, Doug, Sal, Justin, and myself really, uh, have our hands in a lot of different things. Um, probably Doug and I the most, cause I think we are the most interested in other aspects, uh, of the business and other, other businesses that we can build off of this business. So him and I probably spend the most time, um, outside of just podcasting, um, uh, podcasting really is the, the medium that allowed us to originally scale to build mind pump media, but we actually have three companies. We have mind pump media, we have maps, fitness products, which is the shirt I'm wearing right now. And then we have mind pump investments. Um, and they're all, uh, big successful companies now. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. And mind pump, mind pump media was the podcast and the original catalyst to, to grow and build this. Um, but today, I mean, yeah, it, it depends on the week on sure. what hat I'm wearing on who, who you're who talking I, to. Who, yeah. Yeah. So if you were today, if you were asking me that, I would say I'm a, a real estate agent slash podcaster slash fire putter out. So, yes. so yeah. that's my there you title go. today. There you go. I love it. It's like yeah. the, uh, I think Gary, Gary Vaynerchuk says sometimes he's a firefighter or whatever. Uh, yeah. and I, I like that cause he just puts out fires all day long. Um, but yeah, cool. I want to, I do want to go into your, to your backstory a little bit. Cause I do think it's interesting, but first, since you, since you were uh, talking about kind of the development of mind pump over the years and things after these 1600 episodes, you guys have just put out just a, a ridiculous amount of episodes. That's, that's kind of what I wanted to ask you is just like, 
do you still enjoy it? Like, do you still going on the podcast and, and shooting the shit with these guys? I know you guys are branching into other areas, so maybe that's part of it. But like talking about the fitness stuff for 1600 episodes, I'm sure I just want to know your take on it. Yeah. You know, uh, it's, and I get to ask this all the time and it's honest. I, you know me, I would shoot you straight. I would not bullshit. Uh, it is literally more fun, more exciting today uh, than it was the first month or year that we started, which everybody knows when it's new and you have great big goals and ideas and, you know, everything is possible. Uh, yeah. You're so excited, right? And then reality slaps you in the face and shit gets hard and doesn't pan out the way it's supposed to and unfolds differently. Uh, then, then things change a lot. And honestly, everything else I've done in my life, right? Every other business or job I've ever worked for, um, I, I, I tend to have this and I've always learned, I don't care if I was milking cows in three feet of shit, uh, which I'd done for several years. I've learned, I've always learned to love whatever I'm doing and be passionate about it and find the silver lining and everything. So I've always been able to do that, but everything that I have done in the past has kind of had this you know, natural story arch of excited about it, found the love in it, doing it, get good at it okay, I've been good at it for a while. I've proved I'm good at it. This is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. And then it starts to taper off. Um, this is seven years deep into this. Technically longer, if you count the time, myself, Doug, Sal, and Justin were doing other things to build kind of towards this. So it's really been like eight years towards yeah. the building of this. When you think of the stuff before we actually formed the Mind Pump LLC, you know, I was building a social media presence. Justin was working on an app. Uh, Sal and Doug were creating the first MAPS anabolic program. And this was all well before Mind Pump. So yeah, even eight years later, uh, I get so fired. I ju we just hung up the mics right now and did a second episode for the day today. It was walk bathroom and said, oh man, great intro. Great. Intro. That was so much fun. And so we still, and what I, what I love about my partners, um, all of them are like this, is that, and when we got into this, we by no means thought we were we were good, but we were all, in fact, we were all very excited about the opportunity in the space and that we knew that we actually sucked and that we all had the kind of same attitude of, boy, there's so much room for improvement. And I love that I can look at my, my partners and know that they, each one of them every day is working on their craft and in, improving what they do. And you know, I don't know if you know or not, but I mean, they're like we uh, in the last, I think we hired Funny Mike two or three months ago. Does that sound right, Doug? Two or three months ago, we hired. That's about right. Yes, yeah, so beginning of the year, we we hired a coach for uh, a comedy coach to help us with our the flow of our conversation, our cadence, and how we bounce off of each other. And uh, I feel like it's made a difference already in in the last year, and I love it. I get excited. It gets me excited that wow. Yeah. It, now the, the part that probably seems mundane or what people would think, oh my God, 1600 episodes talking about fitness. Like how many times can you talk about, you know, the, the Krebs cycle yeah. or building your biceps, you know, yeah, yeah. right. Or training your arms or squatting or whatever like that. <laughs> sure. But the truth is like, we, we, we've all been trainers for so long. Like that was my, that was my job as a trainer. Like it was rare. I was actually, I mean, it was rare. I get a client that had gout or had something obscure that I had to go and research and learn about. Most people ask a lot of the similar questions. So I was always repeating myself and, and, and telling a, a similar story, but I was always trying to reframe it for the, the person who I was speaking to. So the, the podcast is really just an extension of that, that we have all these topics that we've covered hundreds of times, but we always try and refine it or communicate it in a different way because maybe we've said that about fasting a hundred times already, but it was the hundred and third time that we said it, that it just totally registered for this percentage of the listener base. And that happens sure, it, all the time where someone messages and goes, oh my God, that episode you guys did, you have no idea how much that felt like it was for me. And I'm like, we've said that like fucking 15 times in the <laughs> yeah. last six yeah. months. Like really? That was, but that just did. It was, that was it. And we know that as coaches and trainers, that, that that's part of your job. And so we, we recognize that in, in this in fact, we have to always remind ourselves not to go in the weeds or go too deep into all the things that interest us. 
because we're maybe at a higher level than the average consumer or listener. And so we got to be careful not to go. And I, I use an example of a friend of ours who I absolutely love and love his content, what he does, uh, Ben Greenfield. Yeah. If you listen to the 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 uh, the arch of his his career in in podcasting, he started off as very basic trainer information and is now yeah. the super biohacking <laughs> yeah. guy, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's yeah. like the authority in biohacking. And he's carved out a nice niche for himself and he's he's respected as one of the leaders in that space. So I'm not, this is not a knock on his career path or how he built his business, but we knew we didn't want to do that. We didn't want to niche down to a certain category of people that would only want to listen to this. We actually were really trying to reach 80% of the population that we thought all other podcasters were not reaching. And that was the, the, the average consumer, the average client that we trained on the day-to-day, not the super fitness enthusiast, not the person who wanted to hear us compare two studies or modalities or talk about, you know, periodization or undulating your calories or your training. Like, yes, we talk about all those things, but we did not ever want to lose my aunt, yeah, you know, or my, my mom's friend, Susie, who is j- just, you know, uh, coming off of surgery and knows nothing about strength training or rehab. Like, those are the people we were going after. And we knew if we went down the biohacking or arguing over studies or going real deep in the weeds, we would lose the greater population of people that need our help. And so we always remind ourselves of that, that, you know, yes, I know we've talked about bicep curls a thousand times or, you know, proteins, carbs, and fats, but to remember that we can never communicate that enough and to keep refining it because those are the people that we're, we're, we're really trying to reach and help. Yeah, of course. And, and obviously, yeah, you know, you guys, you guys do well. Um, so yeah, I want to commend you for that. And I, again, I told you, I'm going to make this a selfish podcast. And I have a question here that actually goes along the lines with that. Um, you actually talked about this on an interview of you guys starting Mind Pump. And you, you talked about how you kept pouring money back into the business instead of quote unquote, like buying Lambos um, and, and trusting the process. Essentially, whenever I think you were mid 20. So I'm around 27 right now. What I want to know, and a lot of people around my age, this age, uh, listen to this podcast. So I think it's, it's worthwhile to talk about it, but what made you trust the process that all of that money that you, that was coming in from the podcast and from these things that you were doing, how were you, like, how were you able to not cash out and buy the fancy watch and instead be like, Oh, this is going to work. We're going to put this back into the business and this money isn't going to be wasted. You know? Well, I, I think I actually think it's it's not so much trusting the process as much as it is keeping our our selfish temptations and insecurities with money uh, at bay while focusing on the things that are most important with scaling a company. So that that's really more what it was about, right? Like it's a uh, like every time we reinvested in the business, like say, you know, and we're at a, a, another milestone right now in the company right now, where we're about to potentially invest a lot of money back in the marketing team in a new direction that we might be taking the business or a part of the business. And so there's a lot of conversation around, you know, is this the right move? What, what I can tell you for sure, it, it, I don't know for sure if it is going to be the right move or it, it, we won't spend it and we might not get it back, but I can tell you for sure that four Lamborghinis instead of that, uh, (laughs) is definitely not going to scale the company. Right. So, um, we still make, you know, bad decisions and investments (laughs) in time and money that I, I think is going to pan out. Now, luckily we can make more of those bad decisions and take chances. Like, so this, this thing I'm talking about like a half a million dollar investment back into the business. And that's a major investment to have to, without seeing an immediate return. In fact, it'll probably take a year to two years at best, if all goes well for us to see that. So it's a major investment, right? I mean, all of us would rather put that extra hundred and something thousand dollars in our pocket, but we're, we're, we're going to potentially take that, that risk. Now, I, I don't know if, if it will pan out and it may be wrong, but because we have resisted from you know, taking the, the and blowing that money or paying ourselves, and we keep it in the the, the mind pump uh, account, and we use to make moves. It allows us to make that decision. And um, yeah, I, and 
please do not think by all means that we always make the right decision. We, we, we make the wrong decision and, and it doesn't always work out and, and money can be wasted, but it's definitely not a good spin on Lambo. Sure. Right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Um, how much, how much of your all's decision-making would be more for growing and scaling the companies and just like fun dumb shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Just like, just because like, I, cause there can be a difference, right? Just because I want to talk about these certain things doesn't mean it's going to be best for the overall company, but I'd have more fun doing it. So, uh, we actually make a lot of mistakes. We rarely spend a lot of money on fun, dumb things, right? So if we do something where we spend money and it's fun, we actually are pretty strategic and smart about doing it in a way that we can write it off for the business or, it may pan into something that is financially beneficial for us. So normally if we're doing something, you know, quote unquote fun on the business's time, we find ways to at least make it a tax benefit for us. Well, right? I mean, I mean, sorry to cut you off. I, I don't mean as much as like materialism type stuff. I'm talking about the direction of the company, right? So as far as yeah. like you got, so just, just to use an example, like pivoting from just talking about fitness stuff to talking about, um, you know, whatever else having on some other, having on Brian Callen as a stand-up com a comedian, right? Like that's just pure entertainment. However, that may not, necessarily sell you as many maps products as having on, uh, you know, some other bigger fitness name person. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally get where you're going with that. And that happens a lot. And we make a lot of wrong decisions and a lot of decisions that maybe we thought weren't going to pan out actually pan out. So, I mean, tomorrow, uh, we're interviewing a, uh, a socialist, a, a Harvard professor who is a self-proclaimed socialist who is one, we don't agree with, two, has nothing to do with fitness programs, probably won't sell us any, but it, what it really does for us is potentially open the doors for a genre of people that would listen to that type of content that we hope to reach that may eventually want to listen to us talk about health and fitness. And if we can do a good job of articulating our argument uh, for pro-capitalism, let's say, and we can reach this crowd of people that are more into political or economic conversations, but also want to be healthy and fit. Because let's be honest, most everybody would say, I want to be healthy and fit. Like maybe it's not everyone's number one or top three priorities, but most all people in all things and all subjects would agree that they could, they could be or want to be healthier and fit. So we do experiment things like that. Justin's experimenting with some stuff on YouTube right now to, to reach children. Like, so uh, he, this is, uh, and he's been spending hours, right? Hours, uh, it's costing money for the team, for the editor and the videographer that are helping him piece it together. And we have no clue. It could absolutely flop on its face and do nothing for us. Now, the, what the way, like personally myself, like, cause it takes a vote, right? It's not like Justin decides that then it happens or I decided, Oh, it's going to happen. Like we all, if we're going to do something where we take a risk or we decide we're going to move into it, pivot, move into a different direction. There's a conversation that happens off air in this room. And uh, normally there'll be lots of debate. There was definitely debate on that. Like Justin, you ready to do this? And there was arguing. No, he shouldn't. This is not where he should be spending his time. Yes, he should. And we, so we did a lot of that. And I think the, 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 the way that we resolve it is that we agree that, okay, let's test it. Let's not spend a lot of money testing it. Let's, let's, let's create a few of these episodes. Let's agree that even if it doesn't grow the business or add more revenue, it does complement what we're all doing. So like, so my argument for being pro it, I was very pro it. I said, I love this idea, Justin, because even if it doesn't grow a new YouTube channel or we don't make any money off of it, I think our current audience and our current consumer will really appreciate it. The fact that you are going to create something for free on YouTube for to help their kids. So I feel, we all feel good about providing more value to our audience. Now you have to be smart when you get to our size that you can't spend too much time though doing something that doesn't re doesn't return the revenue because your time can be spent on other things that also add value and add revenue to the business. So that has to be kind of weighed out. But we're all we're at a we're at a nice place now where we can take little gambles like that and let's say let's just say for hypothetical reasons it's going to cost us like $10,000. Well, that decision could never be made in year year one or first six months of this business because $10,000 was a, a tremendous amount of money for us to invest on a possible good idea. 
and actually a more likely not a great idea. In fact, we're kind of swinging for the fences on it. Like the, the I don't, I don't think there's a very high chance that it turns into a huge revenue stream for us, but it could. And at the end of the day, at least it does add value to our consumers and we can stop it and not waste a ton of time and revenue. So there you go as an example. Of, and that's like current right now in the heat of it. We'll find out if it goes good or bad. But there's been plenty of things that we've we've tried and it, it, it didn't go well. Like we shot, I remember we shot videos early on when we first got our green screen. We thought it would be really cool to do like a uh, critiquing other YouTubers. Oh, so we, we okay. yeah, yeah. So we, we would throw, we had the three of us standing up, we had headphones on and we were talking. And then if you can imagine uh, somebody else's YouTube channel would be playing in the background and we were basically picking it apart. And we you're, thought, the, oh, this is you're the OG Lane Norton's. That's what you're doing. No, right, <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, yeah, we were doing that a long, this was a long time ago when we did this, when we first got the green screen and we shot a bunch, which took time, took money, uh, and we never released anything because after it was all finished, we looked at it and we said, this doesn't come off right. It doesn't feel authentic. It feels like we're bullying more than we are helping the consumer and people. And um, as much as it may be funny or somebody else thinks it's really cool, like uh, we don't want to send that message that we're here to just punk everybody who doesn't know as much as we like. That's not the that we don't want that. Right. So. So, yeah, stuff like that happens all the time where we we make pivots or 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 try to create something or do something that ends up costing money. We're pretty good, though. I, I would say we have a nice balance between um, especially Sal and I. We tend to be the the most argumentative between the four. Doug and Justin easily persuaded left or right. Sal and I normally clash on ideas or, or decisions within the business. Uh, and he's a really good balance for me. He's extremely conservative with our money, extremely conservative. I'm way more risky. I'm way more like, we got it. We're all fine. Like I, I wanted us to quit all of our other jobs and before we were even making a decent revenue, before any of us were making two grand a month each, I wanted us to leave all of our other jobs and go headfirst into this business because I thought it would bring the best of all of us out, right? So, and and Sal is more the type that would say, well, "Why don't we wait till we have like at least five grand each or so to where we have a little, so we're, we're not kicked out, lose our houses or crazy shit like that." So, so we 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 do we're a very good uh, balance. All of us are, uh, and. And Doug is like Justin. They have a similar feel when it comes to that stuff. So they, they're, and Sal and I are opposites. So we kind of have this nice little balance between the four that we have really good heated debates and conversations. Everybody brings good arguments. And then at the end, we, we, we agree to choose somebody's. And when we do that, what something that we, we agreed on early on when we started the business was no matter what direction, what pivot, right, wrong, good decision, bad decision. Once we make the decision, doesn't matter if it was my idea, Sal's idea, Justin or Doug's idea, it's now all of our idea. And we all either fail with it or we all succeed with it. And there's no pointing the finger of, I told you that was a bad idea or look at all the money. Like, no, once we commit, we all commit, we all give it our all to make sure it's successful. Nobody, and that's probably maturity too in business. Like there's no, no one trying to sabotage to be more right. Than the other guy, we all we all want to win. Like this, I, we are so much like a good a good cohesive team. Uh, nobody cares to be the all star. No one's watching their stats. Who got the most good ideas or who who more people like on this? No one gives a shit about that. We want to win. Uh, and if that means this guy takes the lead or has the best decisions for this whole year. I care less. So we're all like that. Well, because the cohesiveness only amplifies all the good, right? Like the winning, it, it only it only gets better whenever you're in that uh, cohesiveness together. Have you guys always, um, I, I feel like, and also in that interview that I listened to, it seemed like from the jump, um, whenever I think it was your girl that recorded the the random conversation you guys all had in that room, was that chemistry and, and kind of cohesiveness always there for the most part? Has it developed, has it developed over, over time more and more? Or have you guys... But heads both. quite quite a both 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 we 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 there was absolute chemistry from the beginning there there was obviously a, a, a natural dynamic and quick bond right away right away it was it was obvious we had a lot of things in common we saw similar problems with the fitness space 
we had uh, a lot of similar economic, political type of social views uh, on life. Uh, all had different paths and, and walks and, and appreciated the uniqueness of each guy. So we, we, we had that all going for us. But absolutely, it's been developed, too. Like, I mean, that, that another reason, one thing we all had in common is we're all very uh, growth minded. So which is also one of our core values. So that is something that uh, we all saw on each other, which was very exciting because we thought, OK, there's already a dynamic there. And if every guy is equally growth minded, like, wow, where could this be in two or three years? Because we all know we're going to give it our all to be better than what we were yesterday. And so. Yeah, it's definitely been developed. Yeah, I also feel like you, I know you, especially you, uh, at least, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. It seems like you value straightforwardness and being open. And and I know you talk about uh, Mark Cuban as well, really liking him for his direct approach to, to business. And I know you recommend his book. I love his book as well. Have you guys always just been like, because I'm, I'm sure that uh, uh, all of you guys seem like confident guys and your, your egos aren't going to get stepped on too much. If somebody says something else, have you guys always been able to just speak your mind and then at least navigate through that civilly? Yeah. So, um, radical honesty is another core value and, um, is, is very well or very much so revered in all of us. Right. So we all respect that in each other and love that aspect. Now, was it as smooth as it is today or definitely not? I mean, there was definitely a little uh, push and pull again, probably most Sal and I probably have the most polarizing personalities. Um, Doug was always the kind of wise one who was older and smart enough to kind of allow things to unfold and not really insert himself unless he felt very necessary. He saw, he saw that he had that brilliance to know like, there's no reason for me to get in the middle of these two fucking rhinos that are going after each other <laughs> yeah, right now. Yeah. I'll let the dust settle, yeah. put my little bit of two cents. And Justin's similar too. Justin, Justin's very reser- reserved and quiet. And I would, if you ask the two of them, I, I would think that they would, they probably appreciate that about our, our personalities. And so that's why it works really well. So there was a little bit of push and pull with Sal and I early on, like who's going to lead this. Like we, all four, all four founders are capable of leading a business and leading it, running a company. There's no doubt. Everybody has been successful in, in prior businesses and, and have been in leadership type of roles and very much so. So there was a little bit of, um, you know, who will take care of what stuff. And, you know, when, when this, when, when, when a decision needs to be made, who should kind of have the final say on, on what things. And so I, I think we went through growing pains for about a year or two there. Cause we honestly, when we started the business, there was never a sit down and uh, like we didn't do a minutes meeting and go, you're the CFO, you're the CEO, you're the CMO, you're this like that didn't happen until way later. And it really only happened because we needed to make it formal for tax purposes and all that <laughs> right. stuff. Right. Like no, nobody cared who was the CEO or who was, you know, no one cared about what type, what executive role you had. It was just all about winning. But the, the drawback and the, the 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 bad part of that and the the growing things that we went through is that because that wasn't established we we tended to have that we would we would challenge each other and argue about things even though it was civil and we loved that part about our personalities and loved that part about each other it would slow and bog down the business it's like we would we would debate everything you know any anything that was a decision on left or right for the business it was, you know, challenging and we thought it was, a, and it was really good and fruitful early on when we had the time to do that. But then as, as the company really started to take off in years two and year three, that really started to slow us down. It really started to get, become annoying to all of us and frustrating to all of us that, okay, there, I don't, I do not need to have a say in the blogs. Right? There's seven blogs a week that go up for our business. Okay. So uh, and the content that's in that is written by lots of different people. Uh, Sal is the most meticulous about the voice of our brand and how it's conveyed. Now, I have my own opinion about that, and I'm probably I'm less, you know, worried about certain things he is. And so we would go back and like it came to a certain point. It's like why it doesn't. It, it, I trust him to make that decision for us, and me getting involved in that conversation is slowing the business down and, and slowing him down on getting something executed and, and moving on. It's slowing me down from other things that I could be working on. So 
there was a good probably year and a half, two years there of everyone kind of like moving into their role and everybody else accepting that, okay, they have the final say now on this. We don't have time to deliberate over every single thing because when we first started the business, we were like four buddies who wanted to do everything. We couldn't go to the bathroom without all of us going together. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, every, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, company's going to do this. All right, let's all meet and let's all talk about it. where now there's, there's things that Justin's working on doing. I have no fucking clue. There's so many things that Doug's always been doing that most guys have no idea what's going on. Like, so now everybody has fallen into their, their positions. And so there's certain things that if that is in, like, for example, with Doug, like Doug is very responsible for uh, managing our accountant and in conversation the most with our CPA and financials. And if Doug all of a sudden says, like, I'm, and I'm over here on the real estate, I do a lot of our real estate stuff. And I go, hey, oh, man, I've done this great real estate deal. We're going to do this. The other three guys will trust me. They'll say, okay, cool. That's a good buy. Doug might pipe in and go like, no, no, no. Financials are not right right now. We've got this coming up. We just had this come out of the account. We just hired these two people. Not a good move right now. He has final say. He oversees that. He has a pulse on the money flow in and out and knows what's coming better than anybody else. Does it matter that? I have this incredible deal for us that we should take advantage of. Doug could put the could put his foot down and say, not a good idea right now, and he'll win that battle. Right. So that's that's now happened where everybody has kind of been uh, been solidified in their position long enough that okay, there's no not as much of the debating. Still happens, but not like it used to. It sounds like a lot of like relationship stuff, to be honest. It sounds like a, a, you guys need a relationship coach almost. You had like boundaries, you know, respecting each other, all these different things. That's what it sounds um, like. I, I I mean, being somebody who's in a you know a marriage, or even though I'm not formally, right, but pretty yeah, unmarried. Right? I've been with yeah. my, my, my wife for 11 years. We have a child together. She has access to everything. She has everything in mind. So she's my wife, right? So uh, I would say uh, the business relationship is more challenging than, than <laughs> yeah. marriage. Yeah. So That's everybody funny. knows how hard marriage is and how much compromise and communication is, is needed. Uh, scaling a company uh, with a, with a partnership, especially a four-way partner. I mean, we're, we're in a, we're in a foursome marriage. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're we're a, yeah. We're a foursome marriage and somehow you got to make sure you don't make the other three jealous and insecure and argue and fight over. So yeah, I think that, uh, I would argue that the, uh, you know, founding a company with three other men, uh, and, and scaling something to the, the size that we have scaled this to is as, as hard as, as working <laughs> through a, a marriage, I would say. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so, I get it. I get it. No, that I'm blessed that I love these guys. I really do. Of I think course. everybody has that, that same respect. That's awesome, man. No, I, I I love to hear it. And and speaking of, since we we are getting on the the family topic a little bit, I did want to ask you because again, I'm 27. A lot of people listening to this are either single um, or have kids or about to have kids and things. How have you enjoyed being a father in the past mm. two years? Right, Max is two. Just turned two years old. Uh, most rewarding, most amazing uh, part of my life so far. Right, I'm turning 40 this year. Uh, nothing has happened to me that has, has filled my, my heart and has given me more purpose than having a son. I mean, it's the most, it's the most amazing gift I could ever ask for. And I say that too, knowing that I don't know if I would convey that the same if I was 25 or 27 and having a kid, um, a part of why I, I feel so blessed, I feel so happy. And it's such an amazing experience for me is because I was very clear on my vision of how and when I wanted that to unfold in my life. And, um, when did you figure that out? Sorry to cut you off. When did you, you, you said you thought about this, like, when did you plan this vision? Really early, bro. Real. I mean, I knew this, I knew this in my teen, teen years and, and it's because of what I grew up in. Right. So I grew up in a very dysfunctional, uh, household. My, my, my father committed suicide when I was seven years old. My mom remarried into an abusive relationship. Um, my, my stepfather was kicked out of the house, brought back in every six months. I mean, we moved around in nine different homes growing up. So we were being evicted from homes. I mean, so a lot of turmoil growing up as a kid. And by the way, that's not me sharing that as like, feel sorry for me. I wouldn't change a thing because it's what made me into who I am today. So I appreciate everything that I had been through, but it definitely, uh, changed my view on marriage and children and money and, and, and stress that you can prevent 
if if you are disciplined about how you manage your life. And so I, I knew that um, even if I were to fall in love early with a girl really at a young age, so I thought that I was going to wait to have a son until way later in my life. Now, did I have like an age? No, it was more about a financial place. Like, so I had, I had an idea of where I wanted to be financially. And, and it was less about a specific dollar amount. It was more about, and it could have been a dollar amount. It could have been, I, I was so wealthy that I could afford all these things to, to make sure that I can have the time with my child. But it's really about that was, could I put myself in a position where like in my household, when I grew up, um, the, the root cause of almost every crazy fight that happened in the house, the root always had to do with us not having money. We couldn't pay the PG&E bill. It was Christmas and we couldn't afford a tree, you know, shit like that. And then the fight was other stuff, right? My parents were screaming at each other and throwing things at each other because of something else, but it all really stemmed from us not being able, my, my stepfather not being able to provide for the family. And then it, and then it caused like, like domino effect. And so I, I saw that and I, and I told myself early on that I, if and when I settle down and get married and ha- have a family, that I never want money to be the reason why. Now, does that mean that I won't have other challenges in a relationship? And, and does, it, does that mean that like it's guaranteed my relationship would be easy? God, no, I did not think that. But I knew, I, I saw how much money caused an issue in my household that I wanted to make sure that I had enough financial freedom that if I wanted to sacrifice making a little less money this year or not showing up to work for some time so I could be there for my son, so I don't miss a basketball game, that I don't miss a first step, that I'm, that I'm there for those moments, that I could come home from work. Because I, there's a part of my 20s where I worked till 10, 11 o'clock at night, every night, and got up at 6 o'clock in the morning. Like I, I would never want a son at that time. I would never... I would have missed so much of my favorite moments that I've already had with Max if I was still at that point in my life. So it was it was less about an age and it was more about where I was at financially, how stable was I to be the father that I wanted to be. Being somebody who lost their father at seven years old, I thought about that a lot. I thought about if and when the time comes that I become a dad, I, I always wanted to be the best dad I, I could ever be. And I knew that if I did something irresponsibly and had a child in my early 20s, I know I couldn't be the best me because I had had other things I'd have to accomplish at the same time. So something would have to give. So I had, I, I did, I had a, a major vision on kind of where I would be financially before I would ever uh, get a woman pregnant and potentially build a family together. And so, and it, it, it didn't happen until almost 40. So I, 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 I would have told you it would have been 30. So when I was in my, when I was, in my twenties, I thought I was going to be like much more financially successful by 30. And it, it didn't quite pan out the way it took till about 35, which not bad or five years later than what I thought, uh, to get there. But yeah, you know, that's, and that's the thing that the thing I enjoy the most about the success that we've had or the money that I've made at this age is the, the options and the flexibility that it's given me. It's not the cool cars that I drive, the nice watches that I have or my shoe collection, like that stuff's cool. And I enjoy those things. But the thing that, the thing that really matters the most to me that, uh, is the, the ability to, you know, go home and be home at three o'clock if I want to, or, you know, uh, or be able to afford a, a nanny who can support Katrina because Katrina still wants to pursue her dreams and career and passion and things like that. And so, I'm in a place that I can, I can do those things and I don't have to go like, Oh, we can't do that because I can't afford that. So it's always best. Is it the best decision or do we think it's a smart decision? That's kind of what makes the decision not, Oh, that's too expensive or we can't afford to do that. So unfortunately we have to sacrifice. Right. So um, that, that was important to me. That's beautiful, man. Thank you so much for, for a lot of that resonated with me. So I'm sure a lot of it will resonate with other people too. Um, did you ever, were you ever afraid that during this, this come up, whatever, whatever it was, you said in your thirties or you weren't where you thought you were going to be at 30 or something like that. Did that ever scare you? Like, oh, I'm not going to reach that financial point that I'm wanting to hit for this child. Oh yeah, absolutely. In fact, um, I don't know if I've shared this ever on a podcast, definitely not on my podcast. I may have been interviewed and asked this question before. Um, but there was, there was a time where, uh, Katrina and I had a break 
And there, there was this kind of pressure that, and this was right around, right before, right? So it was right around that 35 range. And, you know, she's a year older than me. So, and when we first got together, we we're 29 and 30 years old. So we were, we were still at an age where she wasn't looking to have a kid anytime, anytime soon at that point. I definitely wasn't where I wanted to be either. So that wasn't even like a conversation for us. Well, fast forward five plus years into a relationship. We're not married. We don't have a kid yet. You know, in her defense, she's starting to go like, okay, is this guy <laughs> going to give me a child? And yeah. are, are, are we just having fun for right now? And I'm going to end up marrying some other dude. And sure. if that's the case. I should probably start looking now. And I still wasn't there. And it, what was really hard for us is that Katrina and I have different financial goals. We're not aligned that way. Uh, what I love about her is that uh, she's not materialistic at all. Um, she would be, I don't know if she'd be happy living in a trailer, just me, her and Max, as long as we have love <laughs> and stuff like that. I don't know if she's that extreme, but <laughs> yeah. she definitely. She definitely doesn't think she thought when we met, we both were plenty financially good. I mean, she could, she was making good money. I was making good money already. And, you know, to her, we were already in a very, in a better place than most all of her family and my family. So in her eyes, she'd already made it more than them and and me too. Right. So, so it was tough because I didn't, I had much higher expectations of where I wanted to be. And so, yeah, it was really difficult. It was uh, maybe one of the hardest times ever in our relationship was when we started to get closer and closer to our late thirties and early forties. And, and mind pump was still kind of, it was like the plane was, the wheels are barely coming off. Right. We weren't, we weren't smoking, flying and cruising like we are today. And you know, this, this, she's creeping up on 40 years old. And so there, yeah, there was a time where we took a little bit of a break because um, I told her that, Hey, you know, I've been honest since the very beginning that I have a goal in mind. I promise you it's, I'm not just, cause she, she felt that I was, I just kept moving the marker. Like, you know, how do I know you're not going to just, you know, we're going to get this big house and then you're going to want a bigger house or we're going to get this nice car. You want more cars or, you know, when, when is enough is enough. And I kept saying that it's, you know, I don't know what that number is, but I know we're not there yet. I know I'm not in a, I'm not in a place where I can say, Hey, you don't need, like, I wanted to be somewhere where she didn't have to work. She can have support with a nanny. I can take time off if I need to. My son will never need things. I can put him in private school if I want to or not want to. Like, I want to be able to travel and do vacations every year. Like, that's a lot of, it costs a lot of money to do all that stuff, live in the Bay Area and do that. And so I didn't feel that we were quite there yet. And yeah, that was a a scary time on, we both had to evaluate, like, are are we going to be together? And is this going to be my partner? And she came home one day after that, that week and, had said something to me that forever uh, changed our relationship. And she said, you know, I, I thought about what it would be like um, without you and, um, and me move on and some meet somebody else and start a family and have a kid. And I know for sure that I would rather spend the rest of my life with you and maybe never start a family um, and maybe never even get married, but just be with you for the rest of your life and my life. Um, I'd rather have that life than leave you and try and find somebody else to have a family with. And to me, that's all I had to hear because at that moment I was starting to feel that pressure of, oh my God, I have to be considerate of her and that she wants to have a kid right now. I'm not ready to have a kid right now because I'm not at this place yet. Maybe we're not meant to be. And when she said that to me, this huge weight was lifted off my shoulders. Ironically, like a year later, then we were taken off. And then wow. it was on and we were trying to have a kid. And so it was really wild how it all unfolded. Um, but yeah, it was definitely, there was, a, there was a moment of tough and feeling pressure and feeling that like I needed to make that decision. And I'm so glad I did it, man. I, I, I mean, I tell, I tell dads all the time or guys that are aspiring to potentially be a dad or settle down that there's a lot of benefits to being an older dad about the only benefit I could think about being a 20 year old dad is you're still kind of a kid and playing ball. And I mean, you, you probably could run me up and down the court right now because I am not (laughs) in basketball condition whatsoever and we get crushed. Right. So there's this, this, this youthfulness about being a young 25 year old father, even when you're, when your kid is in his teens, then you're my age right now at 40. So, right. And so there's that, I get that. But if you're a, a healthy fit dad, yeah. Who takes care of, I mean, I, I like to think that I'm, I'm fitter than the average 30 year old right now. So yes. I don't feel 
old and that I, I won't be able to keep up with my kid in 10 years. I, I plan to still be able to whoop his ass. I plan to be able to whoop his ass until he's deep into his probably thirties. Right. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. I'm not worried about that, which I think is the only real advantage of being a young father because being an older father, I dude, I have done the Vegas trips. I have lived decades of selfishness of buying the things for myself and filling an empty void that never fills up and trying and doing things that are irresponsible. Like I've done that over enough times now that there's nothing I feel like I'm missing out on. And I'm also extremely patient and understanding and mindful of, 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 of who I am and, and all my issues and the things that I, I don't want to bleed on to my son because I still am growing and learning still to this day at 40. And so I, I and so is my wife, right? Katrina still, has, we have that wisdom. And so I, I think that has just made us incredible parents. Like I just really think that we, we have this an amazing son who seems to be like this perfect kid when I, it's, I know you should never compare your kid to other people, but when I, when I see all my other friends that have our fathers and, and, and I look at the, 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 well, what Max is like, he's such an amazing, awesome kid. And I want to believe, right. I, I think that a lot of that is attributed to Katrina and I being older and wiser and more patient and our lives really are built around him and, and, and really pouring ourselves into being great parents, you know, you were ready for it. Right. As ready as you could be. Um, yeah. And that's, that's so cool. It's so interesting to hear you say all this shit because I just, so I just got out of like almost a five year relationship mm -hmm. with a girl who was, we were going to do the whole thing. We we're going to do marriage, everything. Um, and now like, this is the first time I've been single in like five years and stuff. And now I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm making money. I'm doing well for myself and I can go anywhere basically. Cause I'm an online coach. And, and so I just need Wi-Fi. And so now I have, uh, a lot of these things that I, that I want to do. And I, I understand a hundred percent where you're coming from. I think the only thing, and I do want to be mindful of your time, make sure I don't go into the rabbit hole, but being from Kentucky, like I'm here at my parents' house, my biggest thing with just feeling somewhat rushed with having a child. One, also, my brother already has an 18-month-year-old uh, kid, and he's he's adorable, but my parents, right? So I, I'm being more cognizant of my parents getting older, and like, I'm very, I'm very close with them, and I'll get emotional on the podcast if I talk about it, but like, I do think about... Um, you know, them passing away and things. And so it's just like having a kid and I see them play with my, my brother's almost like two-year-old and I see how happy it makes them. And I just, I want to, um, you know, I, I want them to have, cause I just know right now my dad's 60 if in 10 years from now, he's going to be 70. And so it's just like, even if I had a kid today, that kid's still only going to be 10 years old by the time my dad's 70. You see what I'm saying? So that's the only thing that I battle with. I Totally. Under first of all, don't you? I mean, we're fine on time. You're actually the last thing I'm doing today, so we're okay. Cool, so don't cool. worry about where we go or whatever. Um, that is a real. So my best friend, right? My this is my childhood best friend. We went to elementary school together. Uh, he had his daughter uh, a year before me, so we're we're raising kids at the same time. It's a really cool experience. Um, he lost his mom, who's like my second mom last year, mm. and so yeah. his baby daughter was literally one year old and. And that just, it tears him up, which tears me up uh, seeing that because he saw how much joy that his daughter gave to her. She got stage four cancer out of nowhere. No one saw it coming. You didn't, we didn't know. And, and we lost her. Right. And so, um, and I'm not in that situation. I already lost, I lost my dad when I was seven. So I didn't have a dad with my stepfather. Um, and my mom was so young. My mom had me at 20. So my mom's still 50, even though she's in poor health. She's still, sure. she's still good to go for a while. Right. So she's, she's going to get to experience his life. So that actually never even crossed my mind as a thing. And that probably could completely change the dynamic of how I feel about having a child at a certain age. I totally agree. Now, I don't know where you are with your spirituality or faith or where you're at with things like that. Now I, I come from a background of, of having faith and believing that everything happens for a reason. And so and I still subscribe to that theory. I really do. I just think there's too many things in my life that have happened uh, that have unfolded so neatly that I, I can't imagine it being just by luck or chance. And so I do have just like the story I told you about Katrina and I, we were almost on the verge of breaking. It was like this whatever. And as you know, it was so it was so unfair of me to expect her not to have a kid. And like if I really loved her. And so we were in this kind of dynamic. 
but then it all worked out. You know, all she had, she compromised on her end and understand that, you know what she, so she just that her making that sacrifice took the weight off of me and then all unfolded. And then we ended up having a kid. And so the thing, the advice I would give you is to, I wouldn't let that weigh on you and stress you. It should not be the reason why you have a child. I don't think that's, sure. a, I don't, I agree, but I, I, but I can totally understand the thought of that, right? Because you do, you want your parents to experience your, their grandchild and see them grow. And you want to see your child have a have grandma and grandpa in their life. And, um, but not at the risk of you making the wrong decision with the wrong woman at the yeah, wrong time in your, in your life. And so, but yeah, yeah. dude, I, I, I totally understand where you're coming from because like I said, watching my boy go through that, I know that, that, that breaks his heart. And I know he thinks about it all the time that man, what if I would have had my, cause he's older too. We're, we all had kids like, but almost 40, you know? So I'm sure he thinks, God, what if I would have had my daughter at 30, my mom would have had 10 years with her baby girl and could have seen. So you never know. And that, and that, that's so hard and, and it's not the right reason for you to be married and have a kid. But I do understand, um, that thought process, especially when you're tight with your family like that. So, yeah, I agree. And I think I, I'm confident that I think that they would a hundred percent agree with what you're saying uh, at the end of the day, they, they want me to do what is best for me. Of course they would love little grandbabies and have tons of them, but it's just like at the end of the day, they want me to be happy. And of course, yeah, make the right choice with yeah. With my that, my mom girl. was pressuring me to have kids when I was like twenty something. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, like, yeah. like, whoa, mom, calm down. Like, no, not anytime soon at all. And she wanted kids right away. And you know what? My my youngest sister, who's 12, 10 or twelve years younger than I am, was the first. Of, so there's four of us. I'm the oldest. Then I have my sister Cassie. Then I have my sister Sarah, who's more than ten years younger than I am. She was the first of all of us to have children. And she's got five. Oh, wow. And a lot of that came from my mom put a lot of pressure on her to have children really early. Now, my my sister's a great mother and she loves being a mother. But I also see the challenges that she goes through uh, to get by financially because they had kids so early. They had kids in their early 20s and they just they've been struggling since day one. And I, I am not one to say that that's not a way to live. And if that, if you can still find happiness and that doesn't bother you, but I know the life that I came from and saw how much stress that caused my parents, but I knew I didn't want that. And so when I see her, I, I feel, man, that's, that's tough. That's what happened when you have a, have a kid at 20 something and you haven't built a career and a livelihood for yourself and put all the crazy work hours. She can't now, right? You can't, you got five kids. You're not working 12 hours a day anymore. Yeah, you're definitely not both of you, you know, like husband right. and wife, both somebody's got to be home with the kid. Right. So, yeah, you know, I, I mean, this is the time right now where you're at, you're single, you're, you've got a good thing going for yourself. This is where you do, you travel. I'm, go, I'm going all in on business and traveling. Like that's, yeah, it. bro. You <laughs> yeah. See, see the country, all the countries you want to see until you're, you're tired of that shit, blow some money on yourself and be selfish for a while. Like get all that shit out of your system right now. That way, when you, whatever that is, whether it's 30, 35, or even 40, like me, before you settle down and have a kid, when you do, you won't be the dad who's sitting there, you know, changing a diaper on a Saturday, grumbling because you missed out on your wakeboarding weekend with your boys or snowboarding trip or the basketball game that your boy invited you to go see courtside. Or the, like, I did all that shit, bro. Like, do all of that. Like, do all those bucket list things that, and do them multiple times if you love it. You love going, to, I love going to games, right? Katrina and I, like before we had Max, like that was one of the things I said, I, you know, if all, if I'm being honest, the hardest things about having a kid that I miss that you and I used to do, I tell her, it was like on a whim, her and I would literally two hours before a warrior game, I get on StubHub and like, cause they dropped the ticket prices last minute like that. And we go get courtside tickets and go sit and watch a game. Cause we could, cause oh, we were both great. single, no child making good money, yeah. 40, 40 minutes away. I mean, and that was some of the funnest times I had with her. But, you know, I've done that so many times that now this break away from it. Sure, I miss it a little bit. But I also know that 
you know, in about seven or eight years, I'm going to be able to do that with my son. Oh, I just, I can't, and I know that you're a, I know that you're a comedy fan as well. And I don't know how you feel about this guy in particular, but I'm actually a fan of Chris Right. So, and, and his, his, his podcast, his podcast, I'm a Patreon member, everything. I have no shame admitting it. Um, That was his dad's one. Did you watch his dad? It's one of the funniest I've seen. It's fucking hilarious. And it makes so much sense. It, it just just watch it. You it'll okay. it'll you will die laughing because all they do is argue back and forth about dumb shit that Chris cares about. That's it, <laughs> and it's it's the best. It's 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 so good. I want to watch it. I saw I saw the teaser on his Instagram. I love it's, Chris Delia. We all it's, do. It's Justin, it's, Sal, Doug. They've all seen him yes. live. Um, I have too. Fan. I've seen him twice. Um, cool. But what I was saying is he. Whenever I hear him. Because he just had his baby as well, so I think it's almost two years as well, uh, two years old too. And I just hear him talk about it. I'm just like, dude, I I just can't imagine anything comparing to that feeling, right? Like of having a kid, of of raising the kid. He's just like, there's no, you don't realize you can love something that much until you have the kid. Well, and that's and that's why too, even dads, because there's somebody who's listening right now who I always offend when I have this conversation because they're 24 and they decided to have a child then. And they're like, fuck you, Adam. This was the best thing I ever did in my life. And hey, that's all. And you're right. Just guess what? Whether you have them at 24 or you have them at 44, you're right. Having a child is one of the most, unless you're a piece of shit father, it is the most rewarding, amazing, and difficult things you'll ever do in your life, which is why it's so rewarding, right? You're yeah. the alchemist. It's because the journey is so fucking tough. That's why it's so amazing. And what, because yes. if you could make it through it, right, and you actually raise a decent child, like, it's amazing feeling that you you've accomplished that. So, so yeah, of course these dad these dads that are young in their early twenties that have a kid would say the same thing too. The only thing that's different is that you know my argument to that is that you know there's a lot of stuff that you just you can't really do or you shouldn't really do when you have a child. That that includes sure. things that includes all the irresponsible things. Like I also didn't want to I didn't want to be 55 and go through the midlife crisis. I didn't want to be a midlife crisis dad and be like you know, I've never really done cocaine. I want to do that now. Or <laughs> yeah. I really want to get that fast car and I, I I don't pay for my kids' schooling. So I go get that Mustang. I always wanted to drive. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. get all that shit out early because you don't know what you might be like 15. If you're 25 and you had a kid at 25, you think it's all amazing grand now, but there there is a lot of things that happen between 20 and 35. Yeah, of course. That you, you, you normally get to do like, and you're what you're where you're at right now financially stable because that really starts to happen in your late 20s to early 30s depending on where you're at and the freedom of kind of doing what you want like you literally can make that decision because you can remote work you could say you know what i'm going to move to hawaii for six months because <laughs> yeah. i've yeah. always wanted to i've always wanted to work off the beach make good money and get a tan for half the year and because <laughs> i don't have a kid i don't have a partner who i have to agree where we're going to live i'm going to do that like yeah for sure and if you don't and you had a kid right now You'll forever ask yourself, I wonder what that would have been like. And yeah. so, yeah, yeah. bro, go, go do a lot of stuff. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm a big fan of waiting. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Um, cool. We can, I think that that's probably a good, uh, good, good stopping point. Um, first off, yeah. I mean, or I guess lastly, thank you so much for, for doing this. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on, man. And I guess, um, everybody listening to this probably already knows where to find you and stuff, but just go ahead and do your, uh, do your plugs. Where can people find out more about you? <laughs> yeah. If, you, if you've never heard, uh, who I am, uh, I'm the least favorite host of the mind pump media team. So <laughs> go check out my, if you, if you halfway like me, you like my, my co-founders and co-hosts, they're amazing. Both Sal and Justin and Doug, uh, mind pump media. You can literally Google that, or we're on every streaming platform. Uh, and we have YouTube videos. You can watch the podcast on there, but um, obviously how we make money is through selling programs. I never tell people to go buy a program from us. I always say, go take advantage of all of our free content first. Uh, we have a, a website dedicated to all the written free content. So mindpumpfree.com. You can go there and consume all kinds of good free information. Listen to the podcast, which is absolutely free. Watch the YouTube channel, the exercise channel that we have tons of, I have blogs, seven blogs a week to go out. So read all of our information, take in all the free stuff. And then, uh, eventually if you still need help from there we have programs for just about anybody and every goal so you can check out all the stuff on mapsfitnessproducts.com 
Absolutely. And I'll, I'll include all of those links uh, in the show notes. And I do want to holler at you for like two minutes off air. But um, this has been wonderful. I think it's, it's going to help uh, a lot of people. And again, Adam, thank you for coming on the show, man. Good time, man. Thank you. And that is that, my friends. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the More Than Fitness podcast. And please, if you could help me out a little bit here and leave a rate and review in iTunes and also take a screenshot and post it up on your IG story. Tag me at mattmcleod6. I'd love to share it. I'd love to connect with you. I'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast and also so that we can share the word with other people. I would love to build up this community, build up this tribe of people that we have like you and I uh, and get the word out there. Uh, Also, if you want more free content, you can check the links in the description. I have my free four-week workout plan, The Ultimate Physique Development. And also, if you want to work with me online, one-on-one for personal coaching, you can check the link in the description as well. Uh, And anything else you need, please send me an email, send me a DM. I would love to hear from you. Again, thank you so much for listening.